welcome back to Indie Ball Nation. We got a weekend update and a full weekend it was, and we have a crazy week coming up too. So we're going to talk about that a little bit before we are out of here. So lots to jump into. Let's just get right after it. We're going to start with the Atlantic League, and we'll go with Lancaster and Staten Island. Why not up in the North Division? Uh, Lancaster entered the week a half game behind York in the North, but they had just dropped two of three to Staten Island the weekend before this one. The Barnstormers would drop two of three again to Staten Island. How are you going to let that happen? Losing two uh, games, two and three, four zero and seven five after winning eight to four on Friday. In game one, Wilson Garcia's first inning grand slam got the Barnstormers rolling early, but Barnstormers needed another four in the 10th inning just to overcome a Ferryhawks comeback. Uh, game two, honestly, that Staten Island momentum kind of kept up. Ryan Hartman was dealing for Staten Island, going seven shutty in the 4 nothing win. Aguilar, Elliott, and Sitsugo all homered in that one as well. Uh, on Sunday, we had more turf mound issues becoming a theme all around pro ball now. Uh, added to several uh, that we've seen, I think, just in the past few weeks. Honestly, I know New Jersey had it. Um, a couple other places, man. I can't name off the top of my head. I don't want to throw an accusation around without being right because that's going to give me some trouble. But it's been an ongoing thing. Check the Twitter account. I always point it out. Because turf mounds are terrible. They should be illegal. That's that on that. Um, this one caused an 88-minute delay while repairs were completed. Talk about ruining, one, a Sunday afternoon, and two, a getaway day Sunday. That sucks. Um, actual game action, though. Uh, Brito hit his second and third homers of the series, and Sutsugo homered again in the 8-4 to Ferry Hawks win. Uh, let's look interleague here. Spire City at York Revolution. York welcomes Spire City, having just won two of three over Staten Island, but only leading the Blue Crabs by half a game in the north. Before the series, Spire City plays Starlin Castro on the reserve list. Uh, not much info on that. Uh, they also released Moises Sierra, who just never really put together this season, slashing 253, 380, or 352, 385 in just 30 games of action. Uh, game one, three early runs and a strong outing from Pedro Vasquez would not be enough as Spire City's bats came alive for five runs between the seventh and eighth innings on the way to a 5-4 to four win in game one. Uh, for game two, for the second straight night, York would score in the ninth inning but fall short, this time losing 9-7. The Revs actually came back from 5-1 down to tie this, but Leobaldo Cabrera's 27th homer of the season proved to be just too much to overcome. Finally, the game I was at, York got back in the win column with a decisive 16-5 win on Sunday. This included a nine-run fourth inning with four homers. Almost got to find out what happens with that manual scoreboard if you score 10 runs. Very disappointed. Now i got to go back and figure that one out. Uh, let's go stay interleague. Why not? Charleston at Southern Maryland. Could Southern Maryland take advantage of that weekend struggle for York? Well, not in game one, as three ninth inning runs gave Charleston a 5-2 win on Friday night. After being held to just three hits on Friday, the Blue Crabs offense blew up for nine runs on Saturday, while Ian Kahaloa was dealing on the bump seven innings of work in a 9-1 win. Uh, Southern Maryland, though, they would take the rubber match, so they were able to uh, chip away, actually overcome uh, York in the top of the North Division standings. Uh, they won the rubber match on Sunday as five early runs capped by a Khalil Lee three-run bomb gave Southern Maryland a 5-2 to two win and a half-game lead in the North. Uh, let's wrap up the inner league. We got Rob Stock dealing in the Long Island High Point series. Uh, covered eight innings, allowed just one run on seven hits. He's nasty right now. Seven runs. Uh, by the way, that included Lou Ford's 500th Atlantic League RBI, giving the Ducks a 7-1 to win. It was High Point's time, though, to shut down an offense as a solid Brandon Liebrandt start laid the groundwork for a 6-1 to win on Saturday. Game three would not be completed due to weather. To get started, Long Island was up 7-1 to early in the fourth. 
Um, they said they'll pick that up if necessary. I don't see that happening. There just doesn't seem to be a need for that. Both teams have already clinched playoff spots, so uh, that would just be left to disappear into this. <laughs> it's not even going to be in the record books, really, because that's the, those stats won't stick. But um, always a weird one when that happens. They're like, yeah, we'll continue that. Maybe. You know they won't. Uh, let's go South Division here. We'll wrap up the Atlantic League. Lexington at Gastonia. Gastonia entered the weekend struggling, but not nearly as bad as Lexington. Lexington had lost 20 of 23 to start the second half. The Honey Hunters handled business, sweeping Lexington 9-8-9-2-4-3. That Friday game was a walk-off win, courtesy of an Alexis Almeida single. Game two saw six scoreless innings from Zach Mort, and then three homers scored all four runs for Gastonia in game three. Taking a look at the series starting tonight, we got Lancaster at York. Lancaster sits two games off of Southern Maryland for the North Division lead. Both of these teams have just lost two of three and are looking to turn that momentum around. Lexington and Charleston. Lexington trying to find anything positive as they are now 3-23 in the second half. For Charleston, it's go time. They need to win the division, and they're four games behind high point. they got to keep pace now. Uh, maybe, you know, make a count playing Lexington, feel me? Staten Island at high point. Staten Island is just another team like Charleston who is a real long shot for the playoffs. I mean, technically they can get there if they win the division. They currently sit four and a half games behind Southern Maryland, though, so they're going to need to start doing something real soon. Uh, speaking of Southern Maryland, they're headed to Long Island. Um, Southern Maryland simply did this need to keep winning. I mean, they're half game up on York, as I mentioned, barely clinging to that division lead. They just got to keep things churning in the right direction. Finally, Spire City at Gastonia. Spire City, another one that needs to find a way to challenge for the division if they want to make the playoffs. They are now, they are five games back in the North. Gastonia needs, uh, they're just one game behind High Point, but they also lead the wild card. So they do have that kind of insurance policy. They're up two and a half games on York. If High Point does win the second half and open up the wild card spot, that is going to become pretty relevant. Uh, again, as a reminder, if you win both halves, uh, instead of you making the playoffs twice, which doesn't work, um, they open up a wild card spot for the best overall record uh, among either division. As it stands, Atlantic League playoffs would be High Point versus Gastonia and Long Island versus Southern Maryland. If I have to pick them, I mean, give me High Point and Long Island probably in those first round matchups, and then I'll take the Ducks in the championship. Um, let's keep rolling. Let's go Frontier League. Had some great Frontier League action this week. Um, let's scroll up here. Where's the top of it? There's a lot. All right. We'll go East Division first. Tri-City Valley Cats and New Jersey Jackals. The Jackals and Valley Cats entered the weekend in that three-team battle at the top with Quebec for the East Division lead. In Game 1, John Baker was absolutely slinging that thing around for the Jackals on Friday night. He goes seven innings, allows one run on five hits, and two walks while striking out ten. A pair of RBI from both Josh Raywalt and Alfredo Marte did enough to give the Jackals the 5-1 to one win. The Jackals scored five in the fourth on Saturday, but Tri-City chipped away, pushing the game to extras, where they scored three in the tenth for an 8-5 to five win. Aaron Altair homered twice, including a two-run shot in the tenth to get it done. Game three, though, New Jersey scored 16 runs in the first four, all off of Elijah Gill. I have thoughts on that. I get wanting to eat some innings up, be a team player, but, like, leaving him out there felt weird. 16 runs in four innings. He was having a great year, good numbers. That's important for the resume. There's an off day on Monday. I don't understand leaving him out there. Maybe I'm missing something, but that didn't feel right to me. So keep an eye on that, maybe. Um Moving from that, James Nelson homered three times in a six-home run day for the Jackals and a 16-12 win to take the series. Sussex County at Quebec. Uh, the Sussex traveled up to Quebec to face the Capitals, who entered the weekend trailing by three games. Um, who Sussex was trailing by three games, sitting one spot outside of the playoff picture. Sussex took game one 6-3, thanks to six solid innings from Mike Reagan and multi-hit days from Edwin Mateo, Oraj Anu, and Jason Agresti. 
Quebec struck back hard, though, in Game 2 for an 11-2 win as Steven Fuentes improved to 8-0 and on the year. I believe it was 8-0. No, 8-1 on the year. Uh, TJ White and Mark Antoine Labreu, they both went yard. Uh, in Game 3, then, it was Quebec stealing, uh, sealing the series win with a 5-2 win over the Miners on Sunday thanks to Harley Gollert's six strong innings of work and two ribbies from both Justin Gideon and David Gloud. Uh, outside of that playoff race, I mean, the Boulders are in it. Uh, Trois-Rivières, though, they came to New York to take on the Boulders. Trois-Rivières started the weekend strong on Friday with five early runs on the way to a 7-4 win. Dalton Combs had a damn night going 4-5 for five with two homers and five RBI. Uh, in Game 2, it was New York then benefiting from five early runs as they won this one 7-3. Alec Huertas, Andy Hammonds, and Zach Schneider all pitched well for the Boulders, getting it done as New York homered three times offensively there to bring it home. The Boulders would finish off the series Sunday with a 9-5 win, totaling 16 hits. They didn't really make that one look too close. Empire State at Ottawa, Damon Cassetta-Stubbs and Joseph LaFiora, always want to go LaFloria or something there. Uh, they dueled on Friday. Cassetta-Stubbs allowed one run in seven, while LaFioria, uh, he allowed one on eight in uh, one run in eight innings of work. But Joey Teroslavich, he would walk it off in the 10th for Ottawa, getting them the win. Ottawa would then win a tiebreaker round on Saturday, another close one, 11-10, but it would only take nine innings to complete the sweep with a 6-2 win on Sunday. It's brutal for Empire State, hanging in there for two close ones and losing that Sunday game and then getting swept out of town. Uh, going to the West Division here, how about Schaumburg at Evansville? Evansville entered the weekend series with Schaumburg trailing the Boomers by five games for second place in the West Division. Uh, down to their last out on Friday night, it was the Otters' Austin Boast going deep to make it a one-run game. Two wild pitches would help bring in the tying run. After the teams both scored in the 10th inning, the Otters would win the tiebreaker round thanks to Jake Polancic on the mound. He would shut it down. Um, show some trust, man. Choosing to go. They chose to pitch on that one, and he got it done, man. It's good to see. Um, that's been a weird. i got to do a whole breakdown on how the tiebreakers have been going over there in the Frontier League. So that's an interesting little uh, data set that we can mess with, but we're not going to go into that right now. In Game 2, again, the Otters found themselves trailing 4 to nothing, but four fifth-inning runs erased that on the way to a 6-4 win as the Evansville bullpen allowed just one base runner in four innings of work. Okay, Otters, get after it. Finally, on Sunday, home runs, home runs from Kona Quiggle, Josh Broughton, and Austin Boast combined with great pitching from Braden Scott and the bullpen earned the Otters a 4-2 to win and a sweep, pulling them within two games of the Boomers. That's a big series sweep for Evansville. Uh, going gateway at Washington here. It was all Dariel Fragio on Friday as the Wild Things won three to nothing. Fragio went eight innings shoddy, allowing just three hits and two walks, striking out six. That'll work. The Grizzlies got one back thanks to home runs from Willie Estrada and Alex Hernandez, as well as great work on the mound from Lucas Weinberg's in a five to two win. Going Sunday to the rubber match here, Washington would take that one four to three. West Darville had a two run homer. Anthony Bracada hit a solo shot. Uh, Justin Goose and Brown, by the way, was gross in relief through a couple innings looking nice. Yeah, that was uh, good work there by Washington. Taking the series from Gateway is a big one. Um, not really going to do much from the standings, to be honest. But, hey, that's a, it's a morale builder for sure. Windy City at Florence. Florence whipped up on Windy City, man. This was a tough series to watch. Thunderbolts offense continues to struggle. They lose 9-1-6-1-11-0. Windy City manages two runs on 20 hits over these three games. Meanwhile, Florence scored 26 runs on 33 hits. Good Lord. The Alls good, uh, got good outings from Ryan Watson and a complete game one run effort from Evan Braban, uh, as well as several great relief efforts throughout the weekend. Windy City starting pitching allowed 18 runs on 15 uh, in 15 and two-thirds innings, on the other hand. So 
the struggles for them aren't just offensive. They're a little bit everywhere. It's, it's looking a little thin in Windy City these days. Uh, let's wrap up the West. We got Lake Erie at Joliet. Joliet swept the Crushers, handing Lake Erie their 8th, ninth, and 10th straight losses as the sky continues to fall on the Crushers. Cole Cook and Zach Bierman dominated Friday night in a 5-1 win for the Slammers. The complete game shutout from Ryan O'Reilly headlined Saturday's 5-0 Joliet win. And then on Sunday, Matthew Warkenton homered in the 7th, his second of the game, completing a Joliet comeback on the way to a 6-5 win and the sweep. Looking at the frontier for the week, Tri-City at New York. New York needs to make hay this series, man. They're now five games out of the playoffs with less than 30 to play. And Tri-City, they're the team holding that last spot. So this is the time to get it done if you're New York. If they lose the series, it might be time to say the Boulders are done for this year. Um, Quebec and New Jersey. Meanwhile, man, that's a series too. Uh, the other two East Division playoff teams battling in New Jersey. That's going to be a good one. The Jackals enter with a half-game lead on Quebec, though Quebec has an extra game left on their schedule, and they currently own the head-to-head tiebreak by two games, so it's a big one if New Jersey can really do some damage here. New Jersey at home is very, very good, so it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Ottawa at Sussex. Ottawa heads down to Sussex County. Ottawa's probably out of contention at this point, but Sussex even is even with New York at five games out of the playoff picture. So they need these wins if they can get them. Uh, they Again, same situation as New York. They can do some damage, and we'll see what they can, you know, we'll see, I guess. They need some things to go right, but first and foremost, they got to get these wins against Ottawa. Empire State at Trois-Rivières, no real consequences here for the playoff race, obviously, but uh, they're playing four this week with an added postponed game being played on Monday night last night. Uh, Empire State's pitching situation and travel situation means losing an off day is just brutal, and they did get pumped for a 20 to nothing loss last night at the hands of Trois-Rivières. Um, take it the positive angle, good for Trois-Rivières. They've had a rough year, so good to see them get that. Um, Washington at Lake Erie. Washington sits seven and a half games out. They need a minor miracle if they want to catch Evansville, especially as the Otters get hot. Uh, they'll be hoping this series against last place Lake Erie, who have dropped 10 in a row, is going to push them in the right direction. Uh, Joliet Schaumburg. Joliet also might be out of contention, even with their weekend sweep of Lake Erie. But Schaumburg is just two games out of first place in the West and the first round by that comes with first place if you can clinch the division. Evansville sits two games behind Schaumburg, so they're hoping to capitalize on Windy City struggles while they're in the Chicago area. They're, uh, they're, they're what, two games behind second place, so they got a lot to play for. If they can catch that, they can at least get home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And, hey, if they can make up the four games all the way up to first place, that puts them at a bye uh, in the first round, so that's even better. So we'll see what kind of momentum Evansville can carry through here. Definitely a good time to play Windy City, the way they've been kind of a mess here of late. Uh, lastly, Florence at Gateway. Gateway is looking to secure uh, that top spot in the division after dropping two out of three to Washington over the weekend, which I don't think they would have expected. Um, so we'll see if they can get things back on track against Florence, who just beat up on Windy City. So we'll see what they can bring momentum-wise. Let's look at the Frontier League playoffs as it stands today. In the East, it'll be Quebec and Tri-City in the first round. I'll take Quebec in that one. Then against New Jersey, I'll take Quebec again, even though I might flip-flop on that a bunch because New Jersey is so good at home. But if we're in the playoffs, remember, New Jersey doesn't have that stadium to play in. So it's going to be a whole other can of worms there. We'll learn some things this week, though. Uh, in the West, we're looking at Schaumburg versus Evansville in the first round. Give me Evansville there. No choice, really, after they just swept Schaumburg this weekend. Got to go for it. Also take Evansville in an upset over Gateway to reach the championship. I've not liked the way that Gateway has looked lately, and I like the way Evansville looks. And in that championship, speaking of liking Evansville, mm, I'll take Quebec, though. I have zero confidence in any pick I just made, but I'll go Quebec. I feel like it could be their year. Um, oh, again, I mean, that's what they do. Whatever. Not like that's a bold choice saying Quebec might win a championship, huh? Um, 
Way to go chalk there, Ryan. Uh, let's go American Association. Why not? We had a good week over there, too. In the East, we had Cleburne at King County entering the weekend with King County having just uh, having won games one and two of the first three games that they had already played in the six-game series. Uh, Friday was just a wild one. I mean, there were some great games this one. Um, wild one went to extras. Both teams traded runs in the 10th and the 12th before King County finally answered a Cleburne run in the 13th with two to get a 7-6 to six win. The fireworks, though, were not done because Saturday night was a banger, one of the best games of the year, in my opinion. C.J. Eldred took a no-hitter into the ninth, but Elmer Reyes broke it up with a leadoff single. He'd eventually come around to score, tying the game. That means no no-hitter, no shutout, no decision for uh, C.J. Eldred. Tough way to end that night, giving Eldred that no decision for all of his trouble. Again, uh, this one would go to extras, where in the 11th inning, Galley Cribs walked it off with a three-run blast to give the Cougars a 4-1 to win. Cleburne would get the Sunday game by a 9-3 score to salvage their second win out of the six-game set, but good to see King County, if you're a King County fan, good to see them getting that uh, the four out of the six there and handling business. Chicago at Milwaukee, uh, they got together for the second straight weekend after Chicago took two out of three last weekend. Since then, Chicago lost two of three to Lincoln, and Milwaukee lost three out of five to Lake Country. The Milkmen were left holding a five-and-a-half game lead over the Dogs, so you know they're losing some ground, but they're still up by a comfortable margin. Uh, in Game 1, a pair of Roy Morales, RBI, and a Drew Ward homer led the way for Milwaukee uh, in a 5-3 win on that Friday night. Gregory Vazquez, he had another good day on the mound, tossing six innings and allowing just one earned run. In Game 2, Chicago would bounce back, but only after seven scoreless innings of work from Kyle Mora. However, the Dogs did get into the Milwaukee bullpen and make them pay, scoring five late runs for a 5-1 win. The rubber match of this one needed extras as these teams traded 10th inning runs before an Aaron Hill single walked it off for a 4-3 win and a big series win. Uh, interleague play, we got Lincoln at Lake Country moving on to two teams, in four, uh, two fourth place teams sitting a half game behind third in their division. Uh, Lake Country signed reliever Francisco Kilome. Uh, he had a very brief Elm Beast in 2020. It wasn't super successful, but he struck out 13 major league batters and can't take that from him, so definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, going into Lake Country's bullpen. Uh, back to the action, I guess. Game one on Friday, Curtis Terry's fifth home run in a week. Go off, Curtis Terry. That was a bomb, evening the score for the Dockhounds at a, or after two early runs from Lincoln. Uh, Lake Country would then come back to tie it again in the eighth inning on their way to a 5-4 to four walk-off win in the ninth inning. Um, moving us to game two, the Salt Dogs shut out the Dockhounds 3-0 on Saturday. Tanner Brown was nasty, tossing six innings of two-hit ball. Those two hits were all Lake Country would manage as R.J. Freer. Freer? Got you, Freer? Want to go Freer? I'll double-check that. And Stephen Moore. Uh, Stefan Moore. Boy, the bullpen in Lake Country. How about it? Just be a spelling bee, why don't you? Held them hitless over three innings of relief, though, so regardless of how you spell it or say it, it was disgusting in Game 2 on Saturday. Lake Country, though, would flip the script on Sunday as they clinched the series with a 5-1 to one win, or 5 to nothing win. David Richardson went six scoreless, and the Dockhounds bullpen uh, combined for three no-hit innings of work, so basically mirror images of each other in those two games. Sioux City Explorers at Gary South Shore. Sioux City would take the series with two 3-2 to two wins with a 5-2 to two loss in the middle. On Friday, the Explorer Solomon Bates outdueled John Sheeks for a 3-2 win to start the weekend. After a Saturday rainout, Sioux City and Gary split their doubleheader Sunday. A solid Edward Suelo start combined with some good work at the dish by Daniel Lingua and LG Castillo made it happen for Gary in their 5-2 win. Uh, but that would be followed by the 3-2 loss in extras, uh, handing the series back to Sioux City. 
Looking West Division, got Sioux Falls at Fargo on Friday night. Five Red Hawks pitchers combined to shout the Canaries four to nothing. Another Saturday rainout would give us a Sunday doubleheader again, where Sioux Falls bounced back in a big way. Game one uh, was completed, what was started on Saturday, and saw the Canaries scoring in each of the fourth through eighth innings on their way to a 10 to 7 win over Fargo. There is a big one to get. Game two of the doubleheader saw Sioux Falls then take an early lead and hang on throughout the rest of the shortened seventh inning contest as the struggling Red Hawks drop their fifth series out of six. That is brutal. Winnipeg and Kansas City got together. On Friday, the Gold, the Gold Eyes and Monarchs continued their six-game series uh, with Kansas City winning their fourth in a row to open up that series. That's a tough that's a tough way to go for Winnipeg, man. Going all the way down there to Kansas and just getting clipped like that. Uh, they would drop game two of the weekend on Saturday before grabbing the series uh, I guess get their fifth game of the series uh, with a 4-2 win on Sunday. So Kansas City just, I mean, I didn't even take many notes unless Kansas City just kind of beat up Winnipeg. <laughs> like, there's not much to say other than that. Uh, Justin Wiley and Brian O'Grady homered on Friday and Sunday. So how that for consistency? Dalton Motes threw really well on Sunday, allowed no runs on four hits over six. So that's good to see for KC. Yeah, Kansas City takes five of six from Winnipeg. I mean, not, not totally unexpected. It's always weird to see that, but... Realistically, Kansas City is a really good team, and Winnipeg is not the move right now. So let's take a look at the series that are starting tonight. Sioux City at Fargo. Sioux City sits five games behind first place and five games ahead of the playoff cut line, so they're kind of right in the middle of things right there. Uh, this series may tell us about whether they're more worried about either one of those gaps, uh, if you're the Explorers. Meanwhile, it's Fargo who's just three games ahead of Sioux Falls for that final playoff spot, and they have not been impressing anybody lately. As I said, lost five of their last six series. So that may become a bit tense before too long if they can't start to turn it around here. Uh, speaking of that Sioux Falls team, they're looking to make up that ground against the Cougars this week. The Cougars are just a game ahead of Cleburne for the final spot in the East. So there's a lot on the line in that series as well. Lincoln at Winnipeg. Lincoln sits three and a half ahead of Sioux Falls and have a really valuable chance to grow that gap while they play last place Winnipeg. As I said, I mean, Winnipeg just dropped five of six uh, to Kansas City, so they can be beaten up on if you're looking to make up some ground. Lake Country goes to Cleburne in a huge six-game series. Lake Country at Cleburne, they're separated by just a half a game in the for the final East Division playoff spot. Uh, Lake Country currently holds it heading into the six-game series. They could really open that gap up where they could completely lose it and make a real mess of things there. Gary at Chicago. Chicago sits a game and a half ahead of Cleburne as they head into the first of their nine remaining games against last place Gary. So they need to make the most of these games against Gary South Shore, try to really open up that gap in the standings and not waste these games. Lastly, Kansas City and Milwaukee battle division leaders, but strangely doesn't really affect much in the standings because they're both like practically a week up on the teams in second place. So really it's just avoiding a sweep. If you're these two teams, that's kind of the name of the game. Uh, if the American, Associ American Association playoffs started today, we'd be looking at uh, Milwaukee versus Lake Country and Chicago versus Kane County in the east. If I had to choose, I'll take Lake Country in the upset and I think Chicago over Lake Country. Um, yeah, I would take... Lake Country and Chicago in the first round. I'm feeling good about that. And then Chicago over Lake Country uh, to put them in the championship. In the West, we'd have Kansas City versus Fargo and Sioux City versus Lincoln. Uh, that's if they just went by the normal like ranks, which I assume they will when it comes time to do this thing. Because, uh, again, you can pick who you play in the American, which is just wild, but I kind of love it. Um, if I had to pick, I'd, I'd probably take Kansas City and Lincoln to get to the West Division Finals, then Kansas City to win the West. Uh, and a Dogs versus Monarchs Championship. Closer than people might think, but give me Kansas City at this point. Let's be real.
turning it over to our final league of the recaps here. And we're going to move quicker through these. Sorry, but I've given you some good time recently, Pioneer League. Everyone take turns getting screwed over by my lack of time. Uh, Northern Colorado at Rocky Mountain this past weekend. NOCO and the Vibes played a good series. Two teams on the way up there, by the way. Uh, definitely going the right direction. Uh, Northern Colorado took game one six to five, holding off a late Vibes rally as Matt Hogan's four RBI night uh, was not enough. Uh, the Vibes got one back though on Saturday with a 12-6 win as Dusty Stroop, he homered and tripled, somehow only completing like the hardest half of the cycle. Do your thing, Dusty. Uh, finally, a late comeback fell short for Noko as a Dusty Stroop walk-off single gave the Vibes a 9-8 win in their rubber match Sunday. Moving along to Ogden at Grand Junction after a 10-8 Ogden win on Friday. Grand Junction won a pitcher's duel 3-2 Saturday, but apparently it was all the pitching that these teams had as Grand Junction scored 17 runs in the first three innings on Sunday on the way to a wild 27-15 win that featured nine combined home runs there from those two teams. Uh, moving to Billings at Missoula in the North Division. Billings, they got their first regular season win in Missoula in over two years on Friday night. I believe this 6-1 to win snapped a nine-game regular season losing streak in Missoula for Billings. Uh, Missoula would get that one back, though, as the Paddleheads uh, get a 6-2 to win on Saturday night thanks to five late runs highlighted by McLean O'Connor and Jacob Gunther home runs in the seventh inning. Billings, though, would leave no doubt on Sunday, winning at 16-2. to uh, Glacier at Great Falls. Glacier and Great Falls split two games before a Sunday rainout. It was 6-4 Great Falls and 5-1 Glacier. Noah Barros, he pitched well for Glacier on Saturday. Good to see him after a couple bumpy outings. He looked really good early in the year, had a couple weird outings, was in the pen a little bit. Uh, so it's good to see him have a good outing on, I guess it was Saturday, for Glacier. Uh, last year in the league matchup, Idaho Falls at Boise. Finally, uh, the Hawks took 2-3 out of three from the Chuckers, 5-0-8-4 with a 5-2 loss on Sunday. Buddy Pindle showed out, though, for a complete game. Five-hit shutout for Boise on Friday. Way to get after it, buddy. Um, looking at this week in the Pioneer League, Rocky Mountain and Ogden. Rocky Mountain kicked this one off last night with a 14-7 win. It's a big series for Rocky Mountain. They lead the South by three games. And uh, catching the Raptors at the right time, man, they've been down. So if you're Rocky Mountain and want to get a little bit of breathing room at the top of the division, now's the time to do it. Uh, Boise at Glacier, uh, two fourth-place teams in this one. Glacier needs to start winning because they do currently hold the wild card, but they have not been very impressive to start the second half. So um, if Missoula wins the second half, then Glacier, they're in position to make it work, but they got to start winning games, and they lost last night 7-1 to one to open that series. Great Falls at Idaho Falls. Great Falls just two and a half behind Missoula in the north and likely will need to catch them because they are way behind in the wild card. Uh, playing Idaho Falls is a good opportunity to make up some ground. Always, the Chuckers have just been struggling too much. So, if you're Great Falls, two and a half by Missoula. Now it's time to get some wins. Uh, speaking of Missoula, you got Billings looking to seize this opportunity. They're only four behind Missoula. Same situation as Great Falls. Uh, they got to probably win the division if they want to make the playoffs. So they got to get some get some dubs in this situation. Uh, Grand Junction at Noco. Both teams sit just three games back in the South. Uh, Northern Colorado. They got the win last night in Game One. We'll see if they can keep the momentum up as they all try to chase down Rocky Mountain. Uh, taking a look at Pioneer League playoffs, if they started today, we'd have Missoula versus Glacier in the north and Ogden versus Rocky Mountain in the south. And if I have to choose in the north, I've got to go with Missoula. They're just too hot. In the south, I do like Rocky Mountain right now. I will go with the vibes. And for the championship, eh, let's go chaos. I like the vibes. Rocky Mountain and upset, but I don't feel that good about it. <laughs> the vibes are not good. Um, that's what I got here. I mean, Pecos League playoffs are going on. 
San Rafael, they made the championship out of the Pacific Division. I believe Tucson Trindad are playing a game tonight to determine who's going to win the Mountain Division uh, and go to the championship. Uh, more on that. I'll do a little breakdown. Uh, you know, the results in the Pecos are one thing, but a lot of that's about like who is doing what over there player-wise and who we might see in other leagues. So maybe we'll do a little deep dive into the top players of the Pecos once that season officially wraps. But for now, that is what we've got here. This is a good long one. Hopefully you stuck with me. Uh, we'll be doing some daily recaps this week. Got a lot of audio-only content. Got a couple YouTube-only things coming out, too. So keep an eye out. Just dropped a bonus episode from last, oh, this past weekend's um, Indie Ball Report episode. We kind of had our own, what became a mini episode just on Frontier League expansion and possible options for that. So we just cut it up, made it its own, like, 30-minute episode, and now it's on the Indie Ball Nation channels, if you would like to see that uh, or listen to that, since it is all audio-only. Beyond that. I think that's what we got here. Subscribe if you'd like. Or don't. It's okay. Follow if you'd like. Or don't. It's okay. Uh, but yeah. Until next time. Until hopefully tomorrow or tonight. We'll see how things go. I'm Ryan from Indie Ball Nation. Y'all have a good one. I may not have a lot, but I love what I got. A four by four and a good fishing spot. I hope this time my card won't decline.